Your chance at a $100 Amazon e-gift card is waiting for you in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Answer 17 questions in the fifth annual YMYW podcast survey, and you're entered to win. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the show notes and access the survey and the secret password. Legitimate, complete entries with honest opinions about what would make your money, your wealth, your favorite, funniest, top, best personal financial podcast will be in the running for the hundred bucks. U.S. residents only, no purchase necessary, survey and giveaway close and winner chosen at 4 p.m. Pacific time on August 31st, 2022. Now, today on Your Money, Your Wealth podcast number 390, when you retire and when you actually stop working may be two completely different things. How can you get a raise when you're working for a startup in retirement? And should you do Roth conversions before or after you quit working? Plus, find out what Joe and Big Al think about a 529 and I-bond gifting strategy and using whole life insurance to transfer wealth to the kids. I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. Hi, Joe Al. Andy. Why is Andy always last? But I'm play on words. That's Andy's last name, by the way. Andy Last. Andy Last. That's why she's last. Uh, second time, long time. Drive a 2022 Outback in a 2016 Class B. Drink wine and fruity brews. Sold our San Diego place in 2020 before the big run-up. Ouch. And moved east. Uh, still getting used to the humidity and the bugs after 35 years in California. Don't anyone move here. Uh, different kind of problem for your, your consideration today. We are living on 3.3% of 401k and still doing small Roth conversions. I'm 61, wife is 57. Only debt is to the tax man on the 401k and some IRAs, but 52% of our investments are all in Roth accounts. I was doing some uh, periodic part-time work, uh, but the small young company listed me as a lead manager on a new five to seven year contract because my resume fit and we won. The contract requires mostly full-time effort. I really don't want to be sucked back into full-time work, but we certainly need to do this effort for a couple of years until I can find a suitable replacement. The money will be a nice bump, though I am way underpaid given rates I was paid on previous contracts for similar other work. The lower rate wasn't too bothersome when I was a part-timer, but now the ego is bruised. Just curious if you have worked with clients who thought they retired early, but then got stuck or sucked back into work. I haven't been really retired long enough to get that board. And how do I get an appropriate, whoa, that's that. And how do I get an appropriate pay bump to match expanded responsibilities without hanging the company out to dry? Any thoughts on how to approach this? So this is uh, Kevin, Raleigh, North Carolina. That's right. It's a little humid there. That's what I've heard, especially in the summer. Raleigh, never been. Yeah, I, I neither have I. I've just heard people that have that live there. Anyway, Kevin, this is an easy one. Just ask for equity, right? That's that's all you have to do. You get equity, so you get paid a low salary, sure, whatever, but you get equity. So if the company succeeds, you'll make a whole bunch of money. So that's that's how you solve that problem. Yeah, it's easier said than done. Yeah, but if it's, or you just quit, 
right? Because you don't want to work anyway. Well, Kevin's a good guy. He doesn't want to keep the hang the company out to dry. He, understand. He wants, a, he wants a couple of extra bones here. I understand. However, here's how I would approach it is uh, then the, your, your transition plan will be much accelerated. I'll put it that way. If you don't get equity, if you do get equity, maybe you'll stay on longer. Is it a, it's a small company? It's a startup. Is there? Yeah, I guess that's a that's a good way to approach it. That's what I do. Yeah, just say hey, you know, give me a. On the other hand, if you don't think the company's going anywhere, then well, they got a nice contract, five to seven years. They do for whatever that's worth. Yeah, Kevin's yeah. grinded. He's severely underpaid because they probably can't. They don't, cash have, they don't, have, they don't have money. Right. So that's what startups do. They give you equity, or they give you stock options, or they give you restricted stock or something, some other equity or yeah. Um, compensation. Yeah. They give you a profit, you know, profit share. Interest yeah. Profit interest. Like yeah. There are lots of ways to get equity, but uh, that's what you would generally ask for in this case. Okay. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I think a lot of our clients actually get sucked. It back happens in. all the time. Um, and then you have some clients that retire early and then they say, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to be a consultant. Those clients, they never get called. They you never, know they, it. They are, you know, Oh yeah, well, I'm going to get a job making $250,000 a year consulting. <laughs> That's right. I'm, I'm making two fifty dollars Now I'm going to at least cover that with my consulting. Yeah. And then they wait by the phone. Nothing happens. <laughs> Nothing, just crickets. And then they, then they, they have to go back to work because right. they don't have enough money. And then it's Walmart. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> They're waving, they're waving to us when we walk in there. So, yep. um, all right. Good luck with that, Kevin. Let us know if you get a little uh, equity and then we can do some equity compensation planning for you. Um, okay. Let's see. We, we got Alan from New Brunsville, Texas. New Braunfels. I actually looked it up. There's a ridiculous video on YouTube about it. And it's uh, apparently that in German, it means the brown rock. New Braunfels. Oh, okay. So I, there you go. For what it's worth, I would have had trouble with that too. Bronf, Bronfils. 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 Okay. Um, <clears throat> okay. Currently partially retired, 59 years young after 35 years in the energy industry as a chemical engineer. Drive a 2013 Mazda. 2013 Mazda 3. With about 100,000 miles on it. Living girlfriend is 13 years younger than me and is an RN. It's pretty happy about that. Yeah, you <laughs> put that face. right. At, he's like, yeah, baby. Right at the start of the comment. That's just right there. I'm gonna say it. He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm the king of New Braunfels. It's like I'm a, I'm a great dude. Look at this. <laughs> Look at this. Ah, <laughs> uh, was killing it in the energy industry. <laughs> and now, now look got, at me. Now look at me now. <laughs> uh, drink of choice is any craft beer, and I'm always in search of the next great beer that I haven't tried. All right. You got a suggestion? Yeah, a little spotted cow from New Glarus. Here's my suggestion. Latitude 33, uh, blood orange. Okay. Or Coors Light. <laughs> That's not a new craft beer. Got it. Uh, I'm always in... Okay, we already did that. Always enjoy a spicy muchala. Um being, I think that's right, isn't it? Michela? 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 Okay, so I think it's actually supposed to be a spicy michelada, which is michelada. a Mexican beer cocktail. Yeah, but I know what a michelada is, but there's no ada. It's it's uh, Mi michela. Mi michela. When I Google <laughs> spicy michela, I get spicy micheladas. So yeah, well, that's what but I was. Thinking. It's just like a bloody beer. Yeah, yeah. that's what a um, spicy muchala is. Okay, but a muchala. He's, <laughs> he's got a new term for it. It's like it. michela is how he's spelling. 
Maybe, <laughs> maybe it's spelled wrong. I don't know. Maybe it just like spicy Michelle. Uh, <laughs> maybe that's the RN. Yeah. Being originally from New Orleans, currently living in sunny New Braunfels, Texas. Okay. So far, so good. Okay. Uh, quick high level numbers $40,000 in a Roth IRA that got funded early in my career before I reached the salary limit, two and a half million dollars in a rollover IRA, $30,000 in an HSA, which I continue to fund with my part-time income, $4.3 million in a post-tax brokerage account. All of these assets are in accounts at Vanguard being the cheap ass that I am (laughs) being managed by a low cost financial advisor. I got a 60, 40 split in 40% of the stocks are in international stocks. Yeah. Uh, so far, so good. My advisor tells me that I can easily spend what I budgeted for retirement and not run out of money by age 100. And I'm not currently working, worrying, or worrying about leaving a money, any money to my heirs. Uh, with dividends from my brokerage account and my part-time income, I find myself at the top of the 24% tax bracket, even after the standard deduction, business expenses, etc. I intended to start doing Roth conversions. Once I retired to fill up the 24% tax bracket before Social Security kicks in at age 70 and RMDs at 72. However, this part-time gig has generated more income than planned. Another little back-to-worker, little, another one. little side that. hustle. Partially, partially retired, working, making a lot of money. Just killing it. Question, with federal income tax rates going up in 2025 due to the expiration of the tax cuts uh, would it make sense to do some amount of Roth conversions, which would put me in the 32% tax bracket between now and then in order to reduce the amount of potential RMDs that would be subject to the new 33% tax rate? I realized one potential answer would be to stop working, thus making more room in the 24% tax bracket. Long term, this is my intention. If my friends would stop calling me to come work for them, I would appreciate some spitball banner. Any ideas concerning my good problem to have? P.S. You guys need to give Andy a big raise for putting up with you too. Love the show and humor. Keep up the good work. Oh, thank you, Alan. Did, I'll mention that to the bosses. <laughs> Did you write that? Yeah. P.S. Yourself, Andy. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's always the answer, right? Uh, boy. All right. Uh-huh. Gotta go to the the um compensation committee we do we do let's see who's the chairman of that oh it's me all right there you go chairman of the compensation committee yeah okay. all right um all right so what does he do here do we go to the 33 well he kind of answered his own question do i want to pay tax at 32 or 33 what do you think alan yeah 32 and, and plus you know it's kind of a no-brainer right now because the market's down this year compared to was where it was at the start of the year so Think of it this way. If you do the conversion now and the market goes up a bunch, your effective tax rate is actually lower when you think about it. Yeah. Right? Because because what the way I think about it is by the time year end comes or even the time you pay your tax next year, it's like, well, what's in the account? And so you pay the, the, the amount of tax that you pay divided by what it's worth at the end of the year. It's like, well, that's actually really your effective rate. Right. right. Even though it's not what shows up on your tax return. So let's say if he converts out hundred thousand dollars but at the end of the year it's uh one hundred ten thousand. so your effective rate is the amount of tax by 110 not necessarily what he paid because he's only going to pay tax on the hundred thousand that's right thirty thousand tax hundred thousand that's thirty percent but hundred thirty thousand to 110 is probably 27 percent that's that's one way to think about it so and, and so anytime the market's down 
that's a good answer, right? To, to go ahead and do that. Yeah. And especially with the, um, the amount of money that he has in retirement accounts that he's continuing to work, they're only going to continue to compound and build. Yeah. He's got a lot of money in a non-qualified account. He's going to have pretty high social security, I would imagine. So yeah, uh, you figure- if he's going to be in the 32, I don't know. And if he passes away, then the kids get, or the heirs gets, you know, hammered with tax, tax rates are probably only going to go up. Right. Um, right. I think, you know, just go in with um, kid feet here, right? Kid, kid feet? <laughs> yeah. Don't, I mean, he doesn't have to blow the load and, you know, convert a whole bunch. Right. Yeah, you know, just convert 10, 20, 30, 40 grand, you know, because he only has got 20 grand in the Roth. Right. And then if, if, to start, see how that feels. Start building that baby up. Yeah, because what you can think about too is he, he, he's making a ton of money doing the side gig, right? His right. best buddies are hiring him and making all this money. And he's like, damn. <laughs> right. Well, just think, all right, well, how about if, I mean, you could play all sorts of mind games with yourself, <laughs> right? You could say, all right, well, man, stop paying me or stop working. You don't want to do that if you like it and if it's like cash. It. Sure. Keep the take cash, it. but then pay, take that cash and use some of that to pay the tax. To right. do the conversions. Yeah. So you have tax-free growth later. Easy enough. And maybe um, if you like the idea of doing a small amount now, maybe do a little bit more this year because the market's down, but on a go forward, you know, go back to 40, 50, 60, whatever the number is that you're comfortable with and um, stay there. And, and then when you start working less, you'll be able to convert more. One of the most powerful retirement tools that Congress has ever given taxpayers is the Roth account. And Joe and Big Al empower you with the information you need to rock your retirement with Roth in the latest episode of the Your Money, Your Wealth TV show. Watch it, download the companion ultimate guide to Roth IRAs and other free financial resources from the podcast show notes. Just click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to get there and subscribe to our YouTube channel from the show notes too to see daily videos of the fellow's answering your questions from the YMYW podcast. We got Malcolm writing from Louisburg, Pennsylvania. Context needed. My wife and I are 39 and 40 years old. W2 AGI, about 750 grand, much less after taxes. 750 grand. It's pretty good. And that's healthy. Wish I had that. No. Yeah. <laughs> You're double that. On a monthly basis. Uh, that's my monthly income? That is. I didn't realize that. Got it. Well, you spent too much. <laughs> uh, every year, we have maximized our 401ks, not after-tax contributions, unfortunately. Backdoor Roths and personal IRAs. Stealth stretch IRAs. Oh, God. Stealth? That's what I haven't heard. The stealth stretch IRA. That's an HSA invested in the market. <laughs> You're right. I wonder who came up with that one. That's uh, the first time I heard that. No, me too. No, okay. I've never heard of the stealth stretch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a health savings account. We yes. can just call it what it is. You have to have a high deductible health savings plan to qualify. Yeah, to get the st- stealth. And I think it's uh, a little under 4000 bucks you can put in per year. 3500 maybe. Yep. Something and like then, that. Yeah. Get a tax deductible, gross tax deferred, pull it out tax-free for health yeah, insurance. Yeah, as long as you use it for health. Yep. Or you could roll it into an IRA. Um, later, could. so that's why maybe he's calling it the stealth stretch. Maybe stretch stealth. Okay, cool. Sounds good. I like it. Okay, and I have a taxable account as well, continuing to contribute about ten thousand dollars a month. Ninety ten stock bond. Uh, we don't panic sell. Uh, we paid out for student loans, half a million bucks, but do carry mortgages on our primary home and properties on our rental LLC that houses over 30 tenants. 
Wow, that's a heavy hitter. I I think I wonder I, how big that house is. I, four <laughs> four bedroom, six bath. Yeah, they're maximizing the rent. I I'm trying to think. I think my my max was a little over twenty. I never made it at thirty. Well, thirty doors. Yeah, commercial and residential are yeah. net worth, excluding the rental properties, is about one point seven five million. Uh, congratulations there, Malcolm. Very nice. Uh, the rental biz, business net worth. Is about another million with a cash flow, not income, of at least $10,000 a month. We drive a 2009 Ford Fusion and a 2011 Honda CRV, both top of the line, of course. All right, a little Ford Fusion. Sure. Why don't you feed that with like vegetable oil? Isn't that like a, <laughs> is, that, is that a gas car? Or is that uh, like a, that's a, that's a gas car. Our child is one years old. And we also contribute the maximum for a couple to PAs 529 for the last two years, which was $32,000 for 2022. With a high inflationary economy, we purchased $5,000 in paper I-bonds with our tax return. In our Treasury Direct, we bought electronic I-bonds, $10,000 each for myself, my wife, and our child. This means we will have to file a gift tax return for excess contribution for our child, $32,000 plus $10,000. But given the return, we de- but given the return, we decided to do it. Do you agree? All right. Let me just understand what he's doing here. <laughs> okay. So he's got a 529 plan, then he contribute to the 529 plan of $32,000. Yeah. So that's, uh, I'm presuming that's husband and wife, 16,000 each. Okay, so 16 for husband, 16 for wife was fun, was a gift to the child to put in the because the child is the beneficiary of the 529 plan. Yeah, and, and that it does it does but that's one year. You don't necessarily have to file a gift tax return, but not, because, not for that. But he said, All right, well, how can you buy um <laughs> did he over contribute to the I bond because he's got five thousand dollars that he purchased. And then he went to tre- Treasury D- Direct and bought another ten thousand. No, you you can do that. So you, you can go to Treasury Direct and buy an electronic I bond, ten thousand dollars per person, and you, uh, you can also buy a paper I bond for five thousand dollars a person if you have a tax refund. That, uh, that's how that works. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. So then he's like, "Hey, I because we put ten thousand dollars for the for Junior, the one year old." Yeah. I got to file a, a gift tax return for the $10,000 over and above the 32, which is 16,000, the annual exclusion for per person. Right. And, and he's asking, do we agree? And I, I do agree, except let me ask a question. And that is because you can open up a 529 plan and you can front load it five years of contribution, 16,000 per year. So you can do $80,000 into a 529 plan and not have a gift tax problem and being married. Your spouse can do 80,000 right up front, no problem. But if you give any additional gifts after that, during that five years, you have to file a gift tax return, which I'll get into in a second. Now, assuming that both husband and wife put the 16,000 in each, then you're kind of stuck that that $10,000 would be, you'd have to file a gift tax return. However, if husband or wife individually put in 32,000, which they're allowed to, they're allowed to do up to 80,000, then 
they're fine. And then the other spouse does the eye bond. So that, that would be a better way to do it. And this is only because there's this five-year rule with 529 plans to front load the 529 plan so that you can kind of jumpstart the college yeah. get the, the, the time value of money working in your favor quicker. Yeah. Um, so this is the, 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 the biggest caveat within this is because of that, that five-year rule. That, that's right. And so let me explain, no one understands what gift tax is. It's, it's, but it's actually not that complicated when you think about it. So the IRS says, you know what? I can give $16,000 to anyone I want. I can give it to you, Joe. I can give it to Andy. I can give it to Aaron, whoever I feel like, right? Every single year. Yep. And my spouse, Andy, can do the same thing if she wants to, right? No problem. Now, if I give more than $16,000, then it's allowed, right? But what happens is then I have to take that dollar amount off my my exclusion when I pass away, because here's the concept. But it's that $16,000 per person. Yeah. You could give a million dollars away per year, but you have to find all these different targets to give $16,000 to. You could, but if you give a million dollars to one person, then, then you're then, over the 16,000. Yeah. Limit. You'd have to file a gift tax return for 984,000, right? That's pretty good. <laughs> pretty good math. And here's the reason why it's because when you pass away right now, you have about 12, $12 million that goes to the next generation tax-free. And so then what people were doing years and years ago, they were just giving their assets before they died. It's like, then you don't have a gift tax. You don't have a estate, estate tax, tax problem. Yeah. So they had to say, no, you can't do that. You're limited to, it used to be 10,000 a year for a long time. Now it's 16,000 a year. You're limited. And if you give more than that, then here's what happens. You you just take that extra, that excess gift, and you subtract it from the 12 million. And I know you accountants out there, it's a little more complicated than that, but that's the exclusion. It's it's the unified credit, credit. blah, blah, blah. But don't worry about that. That's the concept. Basically, you, you're giving some of your assets before you pass away, and then you have to subtract it after your exclusion. Gift tax return, 706 or 709? 709. 709. Okay, so he filed a 709. Well, he, he should, and I, I agree with that, unless... But given the return, we decided to do it. <laughs> yeah. Given the return... But like I say, could I have, husband, husband could have done 32000 in the 529 plan, and spouse could have done... 10,000 I bonds, then they would have been just fine. Just fine. All right. Treasury Direct also allow, allows you to buy I bonds as gifts up to $10,000 at a time, but you can buy as many gifts as you want for the same recipient in the same year. Uh, I don't know if that's true. I don't agree with that. Yeah. I think, I think you can buy as many $10,000 bonds for different recipients. I've never seen that you could buy more than one $10,000 uh, I bond for a recipient. So I don't, I don't think that's right. These gifts remain in your gift box until you send them to the recipient. So sure, you could buy a bunch of gifts, keep them in your little gift box, but then as soon as you give them to other recipients, then that's when the gift is. Right. Because I read, or did you read it? Like if someone else gave, don't they keep track of these gifts? Like if grandparents gave, let's say his kid, the 10,000 and they gave, yeah, I mean, and you the could, kid could only get could, ten thousand a year. You couldn't do it in the same year, otherwise, there's a, another gift tax problem. That's my understanding. Yeah, of this. mine. I, I, I don't know. This not, is not the that, whole gift box is all new to me. <laughs> Provided the recipient does not receive the gift, the gifts do not count toward the ten thousand dollars limit. And an individual can purchase or receive as a gift, acknowledging 
that we do not know how long inflation and I-bond returns will continue to beat the S&P 500. But what do you think about loading up a few years worth of I-bond gifts? Uh, this way, when inflation improves, we can stop purchasing individual I-bonds and instead deliver gifts of $10,000 of I-bonds every year until all the gifts are gone. There, there's a penalty of three months interest if the I-bond is cashed out before five years, but that is okay given the current interest rates if inflation suddenly goes away. However, we suspect we will hold for five years at least. But also understand with I-bonds, there's a fixed rate and there's a variable rate. And the fixed rate, I believe, right now is zero. <laughs> In other words, the fixed rate is nothing. So the variable rate, because inflation is high, is like 9.5%, something like that right now. What's it going to be next year? Who knows, right? right? The rate gets adjusted, right? So you may end up with these bonds if inflation turns the other way that are paying almost nothing. So I think what he's doing is that, or what he's thinking he can do, is that, all right, well, I-bonds are paying 95 or 9.7%, close to 10%. Yeah, close to 10. All right, so let's just load up and You're let's right. buy you know, hundreds of thousands of I-bonds and put them in my gift box. <laughs> and then the gift box is going to gift me my I-bonds every year. And he's just thinking that because I bought them at this point and they're in my gift box, yeah. I get the 9.75%. See, that's, I don't think you can do that. I don't but, think so either. But, I don't know I mean, 100%. We, we could be wrong. Yeah, we well, probably are. 50-50. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 25% chance of being right. All right. Related to this, do we avoid taxes on I-bonds if we cash our daughter's I-bonds when inflation is low and use the proceeds to fund the 529 in the future? Technically, it is being used for college. Uh, he's just trying to play games here a little yeah, bit. Just but, use it. Use the I bond to pay for the college because I he's know, trying to he, do an arb on the interest rate he, on the on the I bond. He's trying to cash out of the I bonds when they go to like a low rate. No, that doesn't work. Yeah, unless your daughter goes to college at age five or six. <laughs> so um, yeah, because it's like oh, inflation's going to go down. And then, so the I bonds so I are going to cash down, out. So I got to cash out. So I, I don't want to pay the tax because I'm going to put it in a 529 plan. Yeah. Now, nah, good try. Yeah. If you've got money questions, comments, suggestions, requests, or stories, go to yourmoneyyourwealth.com and click Ask Joe and Al on air to send in a priority voice message or an email and get your answer right here on YMYW. Better yet, schedule a free comprehensive review of your entire financial situation with one of the experienced professionals on Joe and Big Al's team at Pure Financial Advisors. Get all your questions answered and come away with an actionable plan for your retirement. Pure is a fee-only fiduciary, so they're required by law to act in the client's best interest. You'll never pay any commissions because they won't sell you any investment products. And you can meet at one of our six offices in Southern California, Seattle, or Chicago, or via Zoom right from your couch, no matter where you are. Click the Get an Assessment button at yourmoneyyourwealth.com to get started. Uh, Elizabeth wrote in from Oakland, California. Dear Joe and Big Al, I'm an early career doctor in California. And I'm beginning to do some estate planning. I'd be interested to learn your thoughts on how you use or on the use of whole life insurance as a means of transferring wealth to our children. My husband inherited two whole life policies from Northwestern Mutual that his parents took out on him in 1988 and in 1991. 
And at this point, the total cash value of $52,000 and a death benefit of $214,000 aren't significant enough that they may be worth keeping. We're planning is if we're going to max out the lifetime tax exemption on gifts and estates with the expectation that it may decrease. So far, we've been using our annual gift tax exclusion to fund our children's 529 accounts, e.g. currently 16,000 each per year. Thank you for that, Elizabeth. (laughs) (laughs) But soon those accounts will have enough and will want to direct the gifts elsewhere. We are considering naming our children as the beneficiaries of these whole life policies and then increasing the death benefit so that the annual premiums is roughly the annual gift tax exclusion. It is my understanding that on our death, the money would pass outside of our estate and be tax-free to our heirs. Do you see this as a reasonable gifting strategy? Of course, there is a risk of defaulting on the payments due to unforeseen financial circumstances in the future or the insurance company going bankrupt. Thank you for your thoughts. I drive a Volvo XC40 in a little dirty martini. All right. Hopefully not at the same time. No, who cares? She's a doctor. She can fix herself. True, good point. A couple of things, Elizabeth. So a couple of things I'm worried about. Early career doctor. Yep. Sounds like just starting your career. So she's probably killing it, making a ton of money. Sure. She's got some small kids funding the 529 plans. And yep, the, yep. And so I'm guessing she's not in her 70s. No, it doesn't seem like it. Or even 80s. I'm going to guess. 30s? 30s. Yep. Mm-hmm. If I, would, I had to guess. If I would have. You know, a little dirty martini and a little Volvo. I'm, I'm guessing like 36, 37. <laughs> you know, it could be 40, but I think you're right on. Right. Uh, do not do this at this age. If you're thinking about estate planning. We don't even know what estate planning is going to be in, in, in 50, 60, 60 70 years. years. We don't even know if we'll have it. <laughs> right. Um, so I would be careful with that. Um, if you funded life insurance policies, okay, the death benefit is included in your taxable estate for estate tax purposes. So let me repeat that. If you buy life insurance and you die with the death benefit, the death benefit is included, not excluded, in your taxable estate for estate planning purposes. So you have to get the life insurance outside of your estate by setting up an irrevocable trust. So some people call it an islet, irrevocable life insurance trust. And so you set up the trust, the trust owns the life insurance, and then you're gifting into crummy letters and all this other complicated stuff um, <laughs> that you may or may not even use if you're in your 30s. We would look at advanced estate planning for people probably in their what, 70s? Yeah, I agree. It's way too early. And so here's the, here's the mathematics behind this. If you really want to set aside money for your kids, then either you buy life insurance in an an islet. So here's how that works is the $16,000 goes to this irrevocable life insurance uh, tr- trust. It's it's then that trust then buys the insurance, right? The kids are the beneficiary. Now it's outside of your state because it was through a gift. The kids have to sign these crummy letters to, to so that they don't keep the money. They don't keep the money. <laughs> they, they're accepting they... this as their gift. And then you got to look at, well, what if I just put in $16,000 in this trust? What, what's that going to grow to in 50 years versus what the life insurance will be worth? That, that's your calculation. Right, because it's leverage. What you're doing is leveraging life insurance. So you're saying, hey, I want to give my kids a couple million bucks. 
or, or maybe it's 10 million. I don't know what you want to give them. Uh, but then you can look back and say, all right, well, what's the future value of my $16,000 contributions in a mutual fund that gets 6%, right? But, and then you get a full step up in basis at death. That's where it is today. Maybe that changes. Then you don't have to go through this rigmarole. But if you want to use leverage and like the life insurance and say, hey, if I paid $16,000 and bought a $10 million life insurance policy, then you look at the internal rate of return on the death benefit, given whatever life expectancy you think you're going to live. If you're in your thirties, you know, that's a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's, it's, yeah, I agree. It's just way too early. You see this strategy for someone that's maybe in their sixties or seventies that has a huge estate, right? And then maybe instead of the 16,000 gift, maybe you do a large gift of a million dollars or whatever. And then, yeah, you file a gift tax return for that. But now the trust has a million dollars and then buys a whole bunch of insurance with that. If, if you, if you think that's a good investment for your, for the kids and it's kind of a, you're just looking at your life expectancy versus the life insurance company, what they think, because truly they're going to make money, right? So, so if you think that you can get a good policy and you have short life expectancy, it could be a great investment, but in, in your thirties to me, way too early to think about it. Yeah. For estate planning play, but, um, but I don't know. I don't, we, we need, of course, you know, they think they're going to have an estate over, you know, 30 million bucks and maybe it decreases. What, what, what was it now? 12, something. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. About 12. So married couple, 25, 20, 24, 24, 24, 25 million goes to the next generation tax-free. Estate tax-free. Estate tax-free, right. So um, I don't know. I, I think there's other strategies that you could do, but if, I guess we gave you the math and, and yeah. I mean, there's, there's a, the due diligence that you need to kind of figure out to see if it makes sense for you. There's all kinds of other strategies that you can do. Uh, it's just premature right now. All right. Um, and we are not attorneys. We are not estate planners. <laughs> We are just a couple of guys just chatting about emails that come in. This is not advice. Hey, we got another um, five-star now. Did we? Crazy. Okay. But I know who he is. Your cousin? <laughs> no. <laughs> Pro Jack Looper. I really like the chemistry between Joe and Big Al. The structure of their show is great. I especially like this bitball approach. Highly recommended. <laughs> I guarantee this guy does not talk like this. <laughs> and I'm surprised there wasn't like 15 F-bombs in here. Got it. That's how he normally talks. He was my caddy. Got it. At um, Pebble Beach. Yeah. Or hey, at you, this... you mentioned him. It's awesome. Yeah. He's got a great podcast. I right. would highly recommend any golfer out there that likes to talk about golf. Yeah. Um, it's called the Real Life Caddy Podcast. Got it. Very cool. Yeah. Funny guy from Scotland. Oh, well, that's even better. Yeah. And he goes, accent yeah. is so good. If you, if you can understand it, it's like, oh yeah, big Al, I listened to it. It doesn't sound so big. <laughs> uh, let's see. I it, guess. Uh, yeah. Maybe he's not. I guess pro Jack, Jack Looper. You are correct. Yes. Joe is taller than I am. He's got a big brain. He's got a big brain. Big G. So uh, check that out. All right. We got That's it for us. Thank you, Andy. Appreciate you. everything you do. Um, and we'll bring your your raise um, to the to the to the committee. We'll see what happens there. Good to hear. We will see what happens indeed. Thanks to Alan in the Brown Rock of Texas for planting the seed. Also, I've linked to the Real Life Caddy podcast in the show notes so you can check it out. And we've got Celsius tea and bootleg wine in the derails at the end of the episode. So stick around. 
Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click that Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257 to schedule your free financial assessment at a date and time convenient for you no matter where you are in the country. Chances are one of the experienced financial professionals on Joe and Big Al's team at Pure will be able to identify strategies to help you create a more successful retirement. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. I have a little sip of this. Yeah, a little energy drink. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big email, so I'm going to get my energy. <laughs> so I've got lifted to you. That's my old guy. Yeah. And these are not endorsements, folks. I don't know what the hell they put in that stuff, man. It works that way. Ah, sometimes. And then sometimes I get like a crazy weird buzz. <laughs> I, can, I can tell you the tea works just fine for me. Really? Is it yeah. feeling like your heart might just come out of your chest? No. That's, okay. That's why I don't do that. Just try it. Let's, let's have a contest. <laughs> we'll switch it off and you try the tea. You know, my my dad and my, my, my uh, uncle, <clears throat> he would make wine. Okay. And, um, when you were a kid? I think when they were kids. When they were kids. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, maybe I was, yeah, I was probably a kid. Yeah. And so, but I, I hear the stories. And so my, <clears throat> the batch would be done and then they would give it to my dad and just to test out the, the alcohol content of the wine. Yeah. And he would drink it and then he would like read the paper. <laughs> and see how well he yeah, could read. Just see how well he could read or Got if he it. could see or if he would fall down drunk or, you know, just pass out. Right. Um, okay. Yeah. So that was, that's what they did. Okay. So well, if it wasn't alcoholic enough, did they make it more so? I don't know. I didn't really get into that. Yeah. Um, not a wine drinker. So <laughs> um, they, there was a bottle though that I grapple, they called it. That's the the, he- the heavy stuff or I don't the know. Stuff? No, <laughs> I think it was all one batch. Oh, <laughs> got it. And so, and they don't know how to make wine. Right. It was They're the problem. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> And so some batches were a little bit stronger than others. They probably got fruit juice and put vodka in it. All that good. No, no, they're they're more sophisticated. Oh yeah, very much so. Okay. 